Galatians 4, 4 through 7. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Let's pray together. God, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for a few weeks where we get to stop and and consider together um, in a really like specific, dedicated way, we get to consider together the Incarnation. What it means that Son of God became flesh in order to redeem us out of slavery to sin and, in, in, and to bring us into Your family. To give us adoption. Pray, God, that you would help us as we, as we consider these things over the next few weeks. I pray that you would um, work in our hearts today as we, we look into your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So, most of us probably are pretty busy. Most of us, if you, most of us are probably too busy, right? Most of us are, are, are probably. We, we feel like our days are pretty packed. We feel like we're kind of going from one thing to another. Um, Christmas time is really interesting to me because, because it's like this great, it's this great time where we have the chance to pause and to consider one of the craziest mysteries in the universe. The fact that for one thing, God would even want to, but then, but then two, that God did, in fact, become flesh in order to save us. The Son of God, the eternal Son of God, um, took on flesh in order, to, in order to come and save us from our sin, so that we wouldn't be enslaved to sin anymore, so that we would be adopted by the Father. This is a, this, this, we have like a built in time in our calendar to stop and consider this, but we often are so busy we don't stop and consider it. We're very busy. Or we're very distracted. Perhaps we're busy with stuff we should be busy with, and sometimes we're just unnecessarily busy, but we live busy, distracted lives. The nice thing is, you're not busy right now. Right now, you can stop and you can slow way down. And we can just remember with me how good the Christmas story truly is. So we have this, we have this moment here um, together. This, and by moment, I mean however long I'm going to preach. Um, we have this time together where we can stop and consider that when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. I love those verses. And I hope you love them too because we're going to be in them for the next four weeks. Um, 
We're going to slow way down. We're going to look at those four verses over the next four weeks. In fact, today we're going to go so slow that we're just going to look at that one phrase, that first phrase, when the fullness of time had come. We don't usually do this at First Baptist. We're, we're going through Luke, and we're going pretty big chunks at a time. We usually don't stop and just consider a phrase. But we're going to do that today. We're going to stop and we're going to consider this phrase together, when the fullness of time had come. God sent forth His Son when the fullness of time had come. So we're going to, we're going to, do, we're going to do two things this morning. One, we're going, to, um, we're going to see what does that phrase mean? And then the second thing we're going to do is, what does that phrase mean for us? What is the phrase when the fullness of time had come? What does that mean? And then, what does it mean for us? So, let's, so first, what does the phrase mean? When the fullness of time had come. Jesus was born when the fullness of time had come. Well, we know just by looking at it that it means it happened at the exact right time. Right? Like, the time was complete. The time was full. It was perfect. So we, we, we know that. But then as we, we consider what else the Bible teaches, um, that, that gets colored in a little bit. It gets filled out a little bit. So we know it means that it happened at the exact right time. But when you consider, for instance, let's consider Ephesians chapter 1. Because it, it, means more, it means more than just that it happened at the exact right time. Ephesians 1, and these are verses we talk about a lot. These are verses that you've heard a lot. Very common verses. We're gonna, this sermon is going to be peppered with, with a lot of really common verses that are really good for us to stop and to consider and to be thankful for. Ephesians 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption. Same thing Paul's talking about in Galatians. For adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Jesus we have Redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will, which is, which is this thing that it wasn't super clear in the Old Testament. Now we see. Now that Jesus has come, the mystery has been revealed. The, the hidden things have been made plain. He's made known to us through Christ the mystery of His will according to His purpose which He set forth in Christ Oh, there's our phrase again, as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. And so we know from these verses that God chose us in Christ. He chose us for adoption before He created the world. Before He created the world, He created this plan to save us from our sin. And then He sent Christ to accomplish this plan at the exact right time. The incarnation of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was timed perfectly. But these Ephesians verses 
teach us that it was more than just that it happened at the exact right time. It, it means more than that, doesn't it? Because whenever I think about perfect timing, my favorite perfect timing story is when I was between my um, freshman and sophomore years of college, um, I, had, I, had, I had gone to this Christian college in Pensacola, Florida for a year. I'd spent my first year there, and I had burned every conceivable bridge at that college. Um, and so I was like, well, I can't go back there anymore. That's, that part of my life is over. I have closed that chapter. Got to do something else. And so I was looking for a new place to burn bridges. And um, I was looking for a new college to go and bless with my presence. And, uh, and my, my mom is shopping. She's out grocery shopping one evening. And uh, she runs into this, this guy and his wife. Uh, they had grown up in a, a family that we had known years ago, but then they had moved and we just we didn't, we didn't keep in contact with them. We hadn't talked for the, with them in forever. But my mom just happens to run into this guy in the grocery store and he talks about this college that he's about to graduate from. And, uh, and it's this tiny little Christian college in southeastern Michigan. I would have never heard of it otherwise. I mean, I would never... It was not on my radar at all. Um, their marketing strategy was just don't have marketing, I think. I just... I no, I, nobody had ever heard of it. I'd never heard of it. Um, I don't know how this guy had heard of it. Probably his mom had bumped into somebody at Walmart, too. I don't even know. I don't know how... Um, but anyhow, my mom was like, oh, well, I'll tell... She called me Stephen. She still calls me Stephen, as if I'm in trouble. Every, everything is Stephen. Um, sometimes Stephen Douglas. Um, I'm like, Mom, I'm 40. Doesn't matter. I'll tell Stephen about that. He'll, he, he might want to go there. So I, I check out this college, and I, I would have never heard of it otherwise. But I look into it, and I was like, yeah, I, I kind of like this, actually. There's a lot of stuff I really liked about it. And so I went there. And I'm very thankful I did. 99% of the reason I'm thankful is because that's where I met my wife. Um, and, and really, can we imagine how miserable her life would be? <laughs> let's just, I mean, let's just sit with that for a second. That's almost too much to, that's too sad to really even think about. <sighs> so this is one of those perfect timing things. Now, if you ask my parents who they like better. Do they like me or my wife better? They like my wife better. It's not really, it's not really even close. Um, they're fine with me. They don't have anything against me. They're, if I come, when, when, she, when she and the kids go visit my parents, they don't mind if I come too. It's fine. There's room for all of us. But they, they really like her. And I, we get that, right? That's not, that's not difficult to figure that out. But they could never say that they orchestrated that thing. They could, they could never take credit for bumping into this person in Walmart or Meyer, wherever it was, and me learning about some dinky college I would have never heard of otherwise. And then me meeting her and getting married. They can't take credit for that. They're very glad it happened. They're, I think they're very concerned about what would have happened to me if I... Uh, yeah, so... But they can't take credit for it. But we learn from these, these verses in Ephesians 
that God does take credit for it. God is behind the scenes accomplishing His plans. This was the plan of God from before the creation of the world. The birth of Jesus Christ was timed perfectly because that's the way God designed it. Now, there's great mystery here, but we can be very confident that God right now is doing what He's always been doing, which is bringing the course of human history right where He wants it. Now, this is... This great mystery here, especially when we consider that human beings are 100% responsible for their actions. So we factor that in, and it is difficult to understand how God actually is doing it, but Scripture is clear. He's doing it. He is bringing the course of human history right where He wants it. He does this in the great big moments of human history, the ones that make the news, the ones that make the, human, the history books, and He also does this in the small, boring, forgettable moments of our daily lives. Isaiah 46, God says, here's what God says in Isaiah 46, I am God, there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times, things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose, calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of my counsel from a far country, I have spoken, and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed, and I will do it. So when we consider the teaching of the the whole Bible, we see the birth of Jesus Christ was timed perfectly because God is always accomplishing all His purpose. So when we ask ourselves, what does it mean that Jesus was born at the fullness of time? Is it just some random thing where, like, you know, like my mom bumps into somebody at Walmart and goes, oh, look there, hey. No. No, 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 no. It means the birth of Jesus Christ was timed perfectly because God is always accomplishing His purposes. So that's what it means. Now, what does it mean for us? What does it mean for us, this phrase, when the fullness of time had come? What does it mean for us? That's our second question. And there are probably a thousand answers to that question. I don't know. We could probably talk about this for a long time. But let's just think about three answers to that question. What what does it mean for us? Three answers to that. Number one, it means that God knows things we don't know. God knows things we don't know. For some reason, the very night that Jesus was born was the exact right night. It was the exact perfect time. It was not too late at all, and it was not too early at all. Why? Why? And I, I mean, there's been a lot of people who make really good, educated guesses as to why God chose this particular time. They talk about, you know, this was, well, the gospel is going to go forth way better because there's a great road system now and, and everybody spoke the same language. And there's a lot of good, I mean, you can take a lot of educated guesses, but the, the, the truth is we don't know. And we know that, that God made this promise to Eve thousands of years earlier that he would send someone from her family who would fully and finally defeat Satan. And then generation after generation after generation, and this, this serpent crusher never comes. 
And then you have this promise to Noah. And you have a, you have a promise to Abraham. And you have a promise to David. Someone is going to sit on the throne of David for, forever. Someone is going to come from the line of David who is going to rule and reign forever. And a thousand years pass. And a lot of stuff happens that make that promise seem like, hey, I don't know if that's going to happen or not. Why did God wait so long? We don't know. If you want to come to my office and we'll talk about all of my good guesses for why that was the exact right time, we can talk about that. I love talking history. We can talk about that. That'd be fun. But we don't know. We don't know. We consider the same thing. Because we, we have verses like uh, Romans 8, 28 in our Bible as well. Romans 8, 28. Romans 8, 29. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. So we know that everything that's in our lives, everything is in our, that's in our lives, God has brought it into our lives in order to make us more like Jesus. So if we belong to God, if we've been adopted by God, then everything in our lives is there to make us more like Jesus. And so we have so many questions about that. Maybe you don't. Maybe you don't. But I have, I have questions. I, I, I wonder... I wonder... Because I'm watching, you know, people that I would say, you know, these are just good, faithful, humble people who are praying hard, and they're and they're just and and they're praying hard, and it just does not seem like God is answering their prayer. It seems like He's taking forever. Sometimes it seems like God is just way too late on something, and then it seems like He He's too early. Don't we have Don't we have times where where someone um, like the, someone who's close to us gets sick and dies way too early. We say, oh, they died before their time. And we know that the Lord gives and takes away. We, we know that, that our days are numbered by Him, but we also still use phrases like they died before their time. Because we have questions. And this is a wonderful little piece of Scripture because it reminds us that we have questions because we, we, there, are, there are things that God knows that we just don't know. We don't know why this was the fullness of time. We don't know why the things that are happening in our lives are happening at the exact right time because they don't feel like it. God knows things we don't know. And I will tell you, I promise you, like if you can't believe that, then you're, there's just going to be a lot of disappointment in your life. There's a lot of confusion in your life. There's going to be a lot of frustration. You're going to not feel very fulfilled. You're not going to feel like you've got a good handle on things if you can't just come to terms with the fact that God knows things we don't know. That's the first thing this little phrase means for us. The second thing, God is doing things we can't see. God is doing things we can't see. 
let's, 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 have a, let's play a pretend imaginary game for a second. You guys want to play a game? Let's pretend like you've never heard Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7 before. Let's just pretend like we're reading this for the very first time. We don't know anything about the Old Testament. We don't know anything about God. We don't know anything about His plan to save the world. We don't know anything. We just don't know anything. Okay? If you just look at Luke 2, 1 through 7, what do you see? It says, In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. Oh, great. The government. Cool. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration. So, oh, the government wants to count everybody. Cool. Let's just stop our lives. Let's just stop our lives. So, so Mr. Augustus, which is probably what they called him, I would have called him Little Caesars. <laughs> this is why I just make friends wherever I go. Oh, great, it's the government. Oh, they want to count everybody. Cool. Let's just throw our whole lives in upheaval so the government can have a new count. Yay! This is the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. This is the first... Luke is saying there was multiple of these. This is just one of them. Was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. So he has to go to his hometown, because, you know, rules. And he has to go to his hometown. And he's got to take his 15-month pregnant wife, about to pop, He's got to take her with him. They've got to travel all the way to Bethlehem. This is the government being stupid and ruining our lives. This is what this is, right? If you don't, if you don't consider God, that's what we have. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Oh, this is awesome. I'm way far away from my hometown. I'm way far away from my home. I'm at some inn. They don't have room for me. So I'm visiting the local cow's birthing unit. Awesome! Thank you, Caesar! Idiot! Voting you out. Oh, wait, no, you couldn't do that. They didn't vote so much as kill anybody who talked about that. This feels like Caesar's just doing whatever he wants to do, and he's ruining everybody's lives. That's what it feels like, right? But then you, you, you look at this remembering the story of the Bible, remembering the promises from the Old Testament, remembering the, the way Paul has unpacked what's happening. You look at this through the lens of the whole Bible, and you say, oh no, this isn't this isn't Caesar Augustus ruining everything. This isn't Caesar Augustus and his census. That, that, that's, that's what he thinks it is. That's what it looks like. This is actually the story of the true God of the universe keeping a promise he made generations earlier through a prophet named Micah, a, prophet, a promise that the Savior would be born in Bethlehem. God is doing things we cannot see. He was in Luke chapter 2 and he is right now. 
Now, of course, when we look at Luke chapter 2, we see it right. We don't always see it right when we look at our own lives. Let me encourage you this morning to see it right. God knows things we don't know, and He is doing things we can't see. Which brings us to our third answer. What does this little phrase mean for us? God's promises can be trusted while we wait. Number three, God's promises can be trusted while we wait. I love the book of Habakkuk. Um, I, I preached through that book um, like 10 or 12 years ago. Um, but I'm a much better preacher now. So I want to do it again. Um, just kidding. I was... Uh, it would, yeah, it would be about the same. But anyhow, it's a really, really good book. It's, a, it's such a good book. Little book of Habakkuk. I encourage you, you don't know what to read. You're just like, hmm, where should I read in the Bible? Read the book of Habakkuk. It's good. It's great. Habakkuk is frustrated in that book because God is not doing things the way Habakkuk wants him to, and he's not doing them when Habakkuk wants him to. God is, God is doing typical God stuff, which is not the way we would want him to. We always carry around with us this little inkling that we would do things better. If we had God's power, we would do things better. There's a little part of us, it's our sin nature, a little part of our sin nature Eh, I don't know about this, God. Hmm, I don't know. Seems like you're taking a while. Seems like you're taking a while. Here's what God says to Habakkuk when Habakkuk voices those kinds of things. God says to Habakkuk, write the vision, make it plain on tablets. The the vision is um, God is going to take care of his people's sin, and he's also going to take care of his people's enemies' sin. He's going to bring justice onto his people because they have, they have been sinful towards him, but then he's also going to bring justice onto the, uh, the, the enemies of God's people. God's going to deal with it all. Chill out, Habakkuk. Write the vision. Make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. He's basically saying, write this in big letters because it's coming true. Tell people to spread the word because it's coming true. He says, he says, for still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. It's, it's going to come, and it's going to come at the exact right time. It may feel slow. It's not going slow. It's not. You're just wrong, Habakkuk. You, you don't know the things I know and you can't see what I'm doing. You're just wrong. You're just wrong. If it seems slow to you, just wait for it. It will surely come and it will not delay. It's not going to come late. God says, I'm going to keep my promises. I'm going to do what I've said I'm going to do and I'm going to do it at the exact right time. So the point is simply... God's promises can be trusted while we wait. I've admitted to you many, many times that I am not a good counselor. I mean, if you want to come to me for pastoral counseling, I'm glad to listen to you. I'm glad to listen to you, and I'm glad to try to think through solutions with you and and answers with you and and pray with you and and, and try to encourage you. Absolutely, I'm, I'm glad to do it. 
but I'm not very good at it because a lot of times it comes down to this for me. A lot of times we just don't know what God is doing. We can't see what He's doing. And so we just have to sit here and believe His promises. That's kind of like my, my ten-word answer. A lot. I wish I could think of a better one, but I don't think there is a better one. I think the answer is we trust in God's promises while we wait. He's going to act with perfect timing. So if you are, I, I mean, and, and I know, I know you are. If you are there and you are waiting, and you're, 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 you're waiting for something, it, it could be, um, it could be a, a, a wayward family member. It could be a, a, a broken, splintered relationship. It could be the, the way someone is treating you. It, it, it could be a, a sickness or a, or a sadness that just will not lift. If you're waiting for an answer that's just not coming, if you're waiting for... I mean, it could be relational. It could be family. It could be... It, I mean, it, there's a bunch of things. And we are just... And, and, and we're just like... And, and we're praying... Right? We're praying. We're trying to be obedient. We're trying to be humble. We're trying to be joyful. We're trying to just do the things we're called to do by the, by the grace of God. So if that is you, and I bet it is, then here's a, here's a promise just for you. I could have done a bunch of promises from the New Testament, and there are, there are many, many we could look at, but we're going to wrap it up right here with just one promise. The point is you can, you can trust God's promises as you wait, and here is a, here is, if you're not sure which promise to trust, here's a good one. 2 Corinthians 4. 2 Corinthians 4. 16 through 18. You're not sure. You, you tried Habakkuk. And you're like, Steve, that was, that was a stupid suggestion. Or, okay, Habakkuk only took four chapters, now what do I read? Three chapters, four chapters, I don't know what it is, something. So I'm done with Habakkuk. What do I read? Second Corinthians is a great book. Second Corinthians 4, 16 through 18 says, So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction. So that's momentary in God's timetable, right? That's momentary after, after you've seen why it is that we call God's timing perfect. So there's going to be, there's going to be a time in heaven, when we get it. When we're like, oh, oh, that, well, that's why it's the fullness of time. That's why, that's, that's why that happened when it happened. Oh, okay, well, that's cool. I take back everything I said, God. I'm really sorry. I get it. That's, I get it. There's going to be a time where we get the timing of God, where we understand it. That's not a time where we still have the minds we have now, though. We, we are not capable of getting it right now. So right now, though, by God's grace, we are capable of believing that this is true. So that's, that's what we're going to do. So, so for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory 
beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. How do you look to something that's not seen? You, you believe. God knows things we don't know. God, God's doing things we can't see. God can be trusted while we wait. That's, we're looking to the things that are unseen. We're looking to, our, to, to the, the promise of, of eternal life with Him forever. For the things that are seen are transient. They're here today and gone tomorrow. But the things that are unseen are eternal. So there are many times when we feel the way our outer self is wasting away. We feel the the physical pain, the emotional pain, the heartache, the loneliness, the confusion, the loss. We feel the way we are wasting away. We feel the uncertainty and the destructibleness of our mortal bodies. And we pray for God to help. We pray for God to intervene. We pray for God to mend our broken relationships. We we pray that God would bring back our wayward child or grandchild. We, We pray for God to heal our bodies, to lift our sadness. And we are confused by God's timing sometimes. We are we are confused by God's methods sometimes. And we turn to 2 Corinthians 4 and we say, yes, Paul, I'm with you. We are wasting away. But then we remember with Paul that we are being renewed on the inside. On the inside, God is giving us mercy. He is restoring us, renewing us, building us up, encouraging our hearts, giving us faith, making us more like His Son. And the promise here that we're going to believe as we go through whatever it is, The promise that we're going to believe is that our afflictions here on earth are actually preparing us to feel the weight of glory. The the joy of being with Jesus forever is going to be so good The glory is going to be so rich and heavy. The joy is going to be so good when we are with Jesus forever that it will make our afflictions here on earth seem light and momentary. And right now, these afflictions that don't feel light and momentary, they are preparing us. They're preparing for us glory. A weight of glory that will be so good that it will make our present afflictions feel light and momentary. God knows things we don't know and He is doing things we cannot see. And somehow, God is using the very afflictions that we are going through right now to prepare us for joy and glory and to prepare joy and glory for us. The joy of being with Jesus forever will be so good that it will make our afflictions on earth here seem light and momentary. God is going to keep that promise. And we know He's going to keep that promise because because when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Let's, pr- let's pray together. 
God, we thank You for Your love. We thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the ways You work through Your Word. We thank You for this little passage of Scripture. And again, I pray that as we dig into it, that You would, just, that you would inc- increase our joy, increase our faith, stir us up to good works. We thank You for sending Your Son at just the right time to save us. It's in His name we pray. Amen.